Welcome to the Digital Dark Age. Good afternoon, Bruce, and good afternoon, Tavish. Tavish, it's been a while. How are you? It's good to see you. Why, thank you, gentlemen. It's good to hear from you guys. Been doing good myself. Snow melted, so we don't have to shovel it. Snow melting in Boston. I didn't think that that was possible up there, but uh, apparently you're telling me otherwise. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that right? It was in the 30s, then it got up to the 50s. Could be in the 70s this coming weekend. 70s? Oh, it's man-made climate change. That's what that is. That, that's all I can. <laughs> that's all I can attribute that to. That's all I can do. It. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's uh, it's good to see you, Bruce. How you doing today? Healthy and alive. Yeah. Staying warm. Fantastic. Monday afternoon. Digital dark age, isn't it? So we've got a lot of stuff lined up today. First thing I wanted to do, I wanted to start with self-driving trucks. And I'm talking about like the the semi trucks now, like the 18 wheelers, the lorries for the uh, the UK listener, LKV in Germany. All right. You, you know what those are. But uh, I wanted to talk about these big food delivery trucks. Uh, the self-driving trucks are going to start in Pittsburgh and they're going to deliver to uh, Ohio and Michigan. So there's a supply line that runs down through there. Uh, that comes out of like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia and things like that. Uh, and then it's, I mean, it's kind of, you know, a logistical network that's been running out of there for years. Same thing with, um, that's actually a regional place. A lot of times they'll get supplied out of, you know, port cities like New York or Baltimore, Maryland or something like that. Uh, and they'll move it through those hubs and, and ship it everywhere else. Two self-driving trucks delivered more than 40,000 pounds of food last week from the greater Pittsburgh community area to needy families in Toledo, Ohio. Food delivery or excuse me, the, the delivery was part of a test drive feature of two human-guided self-driving trucks produced by a company called Locomation, an autonomous convoying startup located in Pittsburgh's north side. So this is their first production in an upcoming series and is the autonomous relay convoy, which enables one driver to steer a lead truck while a follower truck works in tandem, simply following the leader. The driver of the second truck can relax with the hands off the wheel while a fully autonomous driving system does the steering. The technology was developed by uh, autonomy experts at Carnegie Mellon University National Robotics Engineering Center with the help of trucking industry veterans. Locomation employs specialists in robotics technology, safety, artificial intelligence, along with experienced trucking industry executives. So, okay, they're going on down through about how this is going to um, start replacing truck drivers, right? Well, truck drivers, as we talked about in the early days of COVID-19, were the lifelines to these these uh, these cities. Now, with a lot of the destruction and mayhem and mostly peaceful protests happening in the cities, a lot of truck drivers around the United States are refusing to deliver. Also, they have to go through all kinds of crazy nonsense about temperature checks and, and all this uh, you know, testing and all that stuff. They can't stop to... Um, you know, to get a to get a shower or anything, they can't uh, stop to get a decent meal because a lot of these truck stops have been closed. So this would be an essential would be essentially uh, a solution to that problem. They don't have to worry any longer about a truck driver. They don't have to worry about paying the person. They don't have to worry about seeing to their assurance. They don't have to worry about seeing to their health and well being. Obviously, because there is no driver, or if there is a driver that's there. I mean, for example, they've been testing that here for a while, the uh, the driverless trucks, but there's a driver there. It's in the passenger seats, but that driver's there in case something goes wrong. That's the only thing they're there for. Other than that, they, they don't really have any purpose. They're just supposed to sit there. But it's only a matter of time until that gets removed. Elon Musk is even working on a new a new truck with all of this, but I think his still employs a driver. Is that correct? Yes and no. I mean, it, it will have self-driving technology, but... Currently, it requires just because of laws and everything. It currently it requires a driver. And honestly, there, there's three and a half million uh, truck drivers in the U.S. Um, according to government census. I kind of feel like government's probably going to jump in and say we're going to unionize this or something, and you can't get rid of truck drivers. That's kind of what my feeling is. So even if it's self-driving, you're still going to have a human behind the wheel, pretty much. Uh, it kind of seems like that's something they would do. Uh, Tavish, have you heard about these driverless trucks? Yes, I have. Uh, supermarket chains are very interested in that. Labor costs, so on and so forth. Well, I, to me, I mean, I look at this stuff and I, I see this as just a uh, another step 
in elimination of a human element. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm all for convenience here, right? I've always been that. I've always been that way. I'm all for making things easier and having us as a society innovate our way onto better things. But I feel like when we go down this road of this advanced technology and self-driving and and all of this, we're, we're removing our need, is the point I'm trying to make here, is we're taking ourselves out of the equation. We're being written out of that equation. We're not being given an opportunity to build and develop a, a future for ourselves. This is why I think largely we're being introduced to these ideas about essential and non-essential. Well, now truck drivers, it seems, with this type of technology, I'm not saying this is the only one, obviously, but uh, truck drivers are essentially being made, yeah, there's an oxymoron, <laughs> essentially being made non-essential. Uh, Same thing with people that don't have the right kind of business now. You're non-essential. What's essential? What's not essential? Is it whatever the government says? Is it whatever the state tells you you can be? What about the people that have businesses that cannot adapt to this? So what's supposed to happen to them? When you have small businesses or, you know, a restaurant chain or something like that. And we can kind of look at this other stuff. Automation, right? We know automation is coming. We talked about it last week a little bit. And I think the week before, I mean, it's it's just now starting to pop up everywhere. It's been talked about a little bit here and a little bit there, but we know automation's coming. We know that it's a, it's a big topic and they don't want to spring it on people. I'm talking about the elites. They don't want to spring it on people until the last second. Because when you put 2 billion people out of a job, People are going to get a little upset about that. And two billion people tend to get upset about it. Well, you kind of need to spring it on them at the last second because it can't be a slow transition to that. You can't come right out and say, uh, yeah, we're planning on eliminating two billion jobs. And uh, yeah, there's really no need to keep you people around anymore. So what do we need you for? That's my concern with this is we're not being consulted. We're not being asked. We're just being shoved in this direction saying, uh, well, yeah, this is here now and, and we just don't need you. That That's the point I'm trying to make. I mean, do, do you guys see a, a similar uh, a similar aspect of this or, or am I kind of, you know, out, out here on my own? No, I do agree with that. I've seen personnel because automation has taken their job. OK, uh, let, let's look at the uh, let's look at the aspect of uh, supermarkets, for example. Right. Supermarkets. You've got cashierless lanes now. Those have been there for quite some time. Now, obviously, with all this, they're becoming more prevalent. I'm seeing supermarkets put in more of them now, at least where I'm at. And so instead of having uh, 12 people, now you've got 12 lanes with three people. It's a different set of circumstances. You still have the employee. That employee hasn't lost their job, but you still have other people that have lost their jobs or they've been moved around to somewhere else. And my my issue with this, again, is people aren't being consulted. They're just having it thrust upon them. This is going to make your life easier, but yet you're not being asked. Were you asked if you wanted to be removed from that job? Were the companies planning on moving that that technology forward? Were they preparing you for the elimination of that job? I, I know people that, and this has been going on for a while, that one of the biggest things in the medical industry has been not necessarily automation, but it's been data entry. Data entry over the last 15 years or so has gotten more advanced and it's gotten more uh, prevalent and, and you know everybody's using it now. Now you don't need people running around doctor's offices and hospitals doing all this paperwork anymore. Now everything's done on one computer. I remember people 15 years ago that were losing their jobs to computers because they didn't need them any longer. So they weren't consulted. They weren't asked. They just walked in one day. Here's your pink slip. Sorry, a computer's replaced you. Essentially, with self-checkout lanes in a supermarket, it's the same way. Tavis, you work in in an environment where you see this kind of stuff. Am I seeing things the wrong way here? No, sir. In fact, early this year before the pandemic hit, we lost eight cashier positions that became fully automated. Now, they were moved to other places, but a lot of them were let go because they weren't required anymore. Same thing with warehouses, uh, automated forklifts, conveyor belts, so on and so forth. Less personnel to move those packages or food around. Well, honestly, I think that I think that when you get into areas like warehouse and distribution, I mean, I, I can see that. I, I know somebody that works for uh, works for Amazon and I mean, not you know, picking or anything like that. They do tech work for them. But everything that runs around in those warehouses, you know, cleaners and and things like that are all automated. Are you saying you've got automated cleaning systems now? Yes, sir. 
And how do they think work? Think of it as a oversized Roomba. Okay. So what? It, it comes out, it, it mops, it cleans, it, it steams the floor. How, how does that work? Uh, what they do, they use a computer program to map the where store, the warehouse, whatever, lay out a grid pattern, and it allows the robot to follow that grid. Point A, B, C, D. If it can't handle it, it'll make a public announcement for assistance, public warnings about spills or whatever. I don't know that... Uh... The average person, if your job isn't replaced by one of these, I'm not sure you really care as as a developed world citizen. Uh, I, I don't. For example, if I'm uh, if my job isn't affected by automation, do I really care uh, how my product gets to me as long as my product gets to me that I purchased? I mean, is that kind of the vibe of the general public uh, when it comes to automation? From what I've seen, unless you have someone directly affected by it, people look for the convenience, speedy in and out, but they're also looking at machines that can stock shelves. So now you're looking at an increased workplace force that's at risk. Just that if you don't know someone, you really aren't affected by it. You go in, you, know, you buy your stuff, you leave. Yeah. You, you know, I, I remember somebody telling me years and years ago when I first started to see that, you know, that the... the um, the, the cashier lanes that didn't have anyone there. And it was just, uh, you know, the, the ones just like now where you just walk up. And and I remember somebody saying, you know, oh, that's terrible. And I said, what's so terrible about it? I mean, this has been almost 20 years ago. I mean, that, that's how long ago they uh, these things started to come in. And I said, what's so terrible about it? I said, it's faster and, and you don't have to wait. You know, a lot of them don't have lines. You can just walk straight up to them. And they said, no, you don't understand. And I said, what's that? And they said, that is somebody's job. And it wasn't until later and I mean, years later, did I actually understand what that meant? You're taking someone's job away. You're taking someone's dignity away. We talked about what's going to happen with uh, all this this massive unemployment that's coming because of all this stuff, with, because of automation. And I, I know that sounds kind of, you know, uh, well, we're, we're being dark and we're being morbid here. But hey, digital dark age. Yeah. <laughs> like the the. Uh, the, the automation time is coming. That's what 5G is all about. White Castle. OK, White Castle. I, I know you, uh, these are not everywhere in the country, right? White Castle is a place that makes those little tiny cheeseburgers or, or whatever it is. Bruce, do you have White Castles down there? No, uh, no. I've been to one, though. Yeah, they're, they're further north than here. Yeah. OK. All right. I, I remember they were all over Ohio, but I mean, you know, that's a different part of the country. But uh, th they're all up through there and, and everything. I never really cared too much for them, but Nonetheless, uh, they were everywhere. And I still think that they have a lot of places open. But uh, as restaurants across the country adjust for a post-pandemic world, are we adjusting for that? Are, are we adjusting for that? Or are we still dealing with this stuff? Because as nearest I can tell, there's no exit strategy in sight. This is the longest damn 14 days of my life. So th there's no... There's no solution to this problem that they've given us. And when I say they've given us, I mean exactly that. Everyone can make their own mind up on what I'm meaning there. But uh, driven mainly by the shift to focus to a contactless environment, again, where we consulted, via the adoption of automation and robotics, fast food restaurant operator White Castle announced Tuesday morning additional robot deployments were nearing in the pursuit to automate kitchens. So th this is something that that we knew for a while was was going to be on the horizon. Uh, and I, I was having the conversation with somebody years ago that th they didn't work in the fast food industry, but they're very they're very familiar with how robotics and automation work. They do some work in the technical side of things and assembly lines and, and things of that nature. And they say essentially now and th this has been five, six years ago now, essentially now they, they were saying this about that time. You can automate nearly the entire process. That was five or six years ago. The only thing you actually need somebody there for is to unload the truck. They couldn't figure out how to get the truck unloaded. So you needed somebody there to unload the truck, take the inventory, take the stock and, and all of that. But other than that, you can automate that entire process almost. I would say now with the advancements that we have five or six years down the road at the pace we're moving, I would say you probably can automate that entire process now. Clearly, White Castle is going to be making this uh, this transition. White Castle, who announced a partnership with Mizo Robotics... <laughs> what kind of a na company name is this? Mizo Robotics Flippy. I'm assuming they're saying that to flip the burger. You know, I I'm assuming that that's, that's what that's all about. Uh, a robotic like chef... It. Yeah, a robotic chef. Yep, that's what it is. A robotic chef in July, which we've highlighted for years, released in a statement announcing 10 White Castle locations will soon receive robotic chefs. We'll see. You don't need. Well, I, uh, what, where's the personal service? 
You know, where's somebody back there that takes pride in what they do? I don't want a robotic chef. I want somebody that's going to prepare the meal that I order with a sense of creativity. Now, I know we're talking about White Castle here. We're talking about a fast food place that makes essentially one product. I get it. But my point is, is that it does come down the line later that it will replace your chef in a nice restaurant or whatever. Why would you pay to have a, a cook there? Why would you pay to have a chef there when you could just have a robot do it? You're essentially, again, as the consumer, not as the as the employee, but as the consumer of that product, you're removing that attitude of choice from someone as the consumer. You're doing that. What about the chef's choice on the menu? What about that? I like to order the chef's choice and the chef's choices, whatever they decide they want to make, whatever they have in the kitchen, they use their creativity their own ingenuity, their own innovation of their trade, and they create and craft you a meal out of what they think you would like. I don't think that's going to go away, though. Basically, no, they'll the, just charge the a premium for cooks. it. They'll charge a premium well, for it, is what I'm saying. Yeah, possibly. It, I mean, all the chains and whatnot, I don't know that the prices will change all that much. What will change is um, um, because of the whole you know, Great Reset and Agenda 2030 and so on and so forth, meat's going to be more expensive anyway. So uh, yeah, we're going to see a price change, but it's not, it's not because of... Um, whether or not they have a robotic cook, they're not going to they're not going to lower their prices because they have a robot cook. They're going to charge the same amount and have a greater profit margin, you know, but it's mostly going to be the chains that do the the cooks. And as far as the consumer is concerned, if you're not directly affected, can do, does the robot cook my meal exactly right every time? I don't I mean, as as a average consumer, I don't care. Right now, that's not my opinion, obviously, because I am concerned about people's jobs and whatnot. But this is something that we have to talk about because this is going to happen whether we want it or not. They're going to do this because it, it provides a greater profit margin for the uh, companies, chains, whatever. You'll still have the mom and pop shops or the you know the other restaurants with an actual chef, but you know, as far as the the chains and whatnot, they'll automate it. You know, with with set recipes that don't change. Yeah, they'll, they'll have it programmed and everything. The move will accelerate the adoption of artificial intelligence and robotics in the restaurant industry. Critical technologies needed to tackle new pandemic challenges. Who's throwing those challenges? I'd, I'd just like to ask that question. Who's throwing those challenges out there? Such as social distancing in kitchens, takeout and delivery demand. Well, you're forcing restaurants to adopt takeout and delivery. That's what you're doing. What about restaurants that can't do that? What about restaurants <laughs> that depend on having dine-in? Uh, example, example. And Tavish, you haven't been on yet. Bruce, you want to say, make your point first? Because I have a point I want to bring up with Tavish because he's, yeah, he's yeah. actually in uh, that city. Go ahead. I was going to point out the you're talking about the pandemic stuff and whatnot. We we ordered some pizza here the other day. And oh, uh, yeah. the the guy was so terrified of COVID-19, right? This isn't this isn't normal for their delivery service, okay? This this company. They usually go to the door and hand you your food, right? They've been doing that the entire pandemic. Just this one guy has repeatedly done this, but he it was uh, you know, the 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 pizza box or not um the sleeve that they put it in, you know, the to keep them warm, you know. Um he sets that on the ground, sets a pizza on top of it and uh then he walks steps back like 10 feet away from the door. And waits for me to grab the stuff from from the um, sleeve and go into the house before he comes out and gets the stuff. That that like it is so foreign and crazy uh, for for that around here. People typically aren't terrified of that, uh, but you know, younger guy. And honestly, if they keep up the the hysteria and the fear. Um, I mean, here in the near future, it's going to be a robot that delivers your food. We're talking here about automating restaurants and and businesses that cannot adapt to everything that's being thrown at them. I wanted to talk about one of the restaurants up there, one of the oldest restaurants in the city that just closed in your city. And it's because they couldn't accommodate through all this. You heard about that story, right? Uh, there's been quite a few restaurants that have shut down. I want to say it was like the Salt Bay or something. Does that sound right? Wrong name, but I know the one you're talking about. They could not adapt to the restrictions to the COVID. Yeah, they were they were actually they they'd set up seating outside in their parking lot, and you you just yes. you can't do that. I mean, they weren't designed to be a, a takeaway style restaurant. And this is a restaurant I was it was to my understanding that had been in that family for a very long period of time. They unfortunately had to close because of all this. There was a Irish pub restaurant that was in operation for a hundred years. They had to basically shut down seafood restaurant 75 years 
shut down. And again, like you said, they're a dining in experience. Sidewalks, closing streets, it's not really helping them. Warm weather, yes, it did. But we're, we're getting into snow season, so it's not going to work. With what you're seeing up there as far as uh, things that are going on around town, what, what's the attitude you're getting from people? I mean, I know that uh, it's been a while since you've been on. Have people's attitudes changed? What, what, what are businesses doing now with, with these new restrictions now coming back? A lot of it, I think, is because people got tired of the social distancing, the mask. They let their guard down. The powers that be are looking at the numbers ticking up and going, we have to stop this. Uh, in fact, this yesterday, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, reducing inside dining capacity, the size of gatherings of people, in, uh, example, from 25 down to 10. Uh, Thanksgiving, they're telling people only celebrate the holiday with the people you live with. So, yeah, people are just they're tired. They're scared. They're not sure which way to turn. As a result, the mom and pops are suffering the most. Big chains, they have a little cushion, but mom and pop restaurants, stores, they're taking it on the chin. Yeah, they're meant to take it on the chin with this one. That's what it's designed to do. This is designed to regulate and control society and to shut down your small business. That's what it's designed to do. And if the people that sit in political offices that are behaving and, and acting in manners that they were never elected to do, I might add, they want to turn around and tell you that uh, you can't celebrate the holidays with uh, with your loved ones. Go fly a kite. You know, that that's what I say. You're saying that people are, are scared and, well, they don't really know what to do. Well, <laughs> I know what to do. Uh, and the answer is what Northern California is doing. And I, I know that, uh, you know, you're saying, wait a minute, you talk so ill about California the whole time. Well, what's Northern California doing? They said no to all this. The people that own businesses have said, we're not going to pay attention to your orders. We're not going to pay attention to your uh, your regulations, your rules, your mask wearing, your social distancing. We're going to keep our businesses open and we're going to go back to work because we have to make a damn living. And that's what they've decided to do. And the media has crowed and they've screamed and they've yelled and they've shouted. But guess what? Nothing else has happened. The law enforcement will not enforce the unlawful and illegal orders to keep you masked, to have you shut your business. So when the police say no... And, and don't abide by the uh, the illegal orders that are being handed down. That's what they are. They're illegal orders. When they don't abide by that and people are allowed to live their lives, well, then people can see that life will go on as normal. But everything's, everything about this is, is designed to throw a wrench in the works. The big, the big businesses get a pass, as you say. They're, they're essential. So Walmart's essential. Target's essential. Amazon's essential. But Bob's grocery store down the street, they're not essential. Churches are no longer allowed to, to be open, but you can go out and you can riot and you can loot and you can burn. That's fine. That's fine. No, 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 no. There's something really wrong here. Uh, and it's, it's the same way. It's the same way here. Every single person I know is pissed off about what's happening. And I know we're supposed to be talking about tech today, but this is just, this is too pressing. You know, I, I went to, I went to my gym today. Today's Sunday. Okay. Where I'm at, we're doing this a day, a day before, but I, I went to my gym today and it's Sunday. There's not a lot of people that go to the gym here on Sundays. That's just the way that it is. Everybody spends time with their families. They spend time at church and, and that's really all they do here on Sundays. A lot of businesses are closed on Sundays unless you're you know, a, a health provider, energy provider, something like that. Those businesses stay open. But a lot of places are closed. When I went there today, that place was absolutely wall to wall packed. I mean, packed. What does that say? What does that say to me? And I've never seen it that busy on a Sunday, a Sunday evening at that. To me, those are people that know that this is a loaded, a load of BS. They're flaunting it. Yes, of course, you want to be responsible. Yeah, you want to take precautions. I, I get it. I get it. But it's not the government's place, any government. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the United States. I don't care if it's England or, or the Netherlands or, or whatever. It's not the government's place to tell you, stay in your house and shut your business. Don't go to church. Oh, and wear a mask. That, that's not their place to do that. Wars have been fought to stop that type of authoritarian behavior in our societies. People have died to preserve those rights. And now we're just throwing it all away. 800 years of progress is being rewritten within a matter of months. You know, I, I I can't say that everybody where I was at today is is flaunting. And I, I can't say that because you still have people that are asleep at the switch. And maybe you'll both get a kick out of this. I don't know. But as I was leaving, I was changing in the in the locker room and I was on my way out. And I hear these guys in the corner, right? Three or four of them in the corner of the locker room and they're talking. They're going back and forth. I wasn't really paying attention. You know how you just kind of go about your business and you don't really pay too much of attention to what everybody's talking about. And this guy is explaining to these two or three other guys 
about something very serious. I mean, you can tell the demeanor in his voice and, and how he's asserting himself and, and everything. He's explaining something to them. And I thought, OK, what, what in the world? Are these What are they talking about? What's this guy trying to get? What kind of points this guy trying to get across? He's trying to explain to them which frozen pizza is the best one you can buy and why. The, the country's about to go into lockdown and you're sitting here having a conversation about what the hell kind of frozen pizza you need to buy. We need to be discussing about how we're going to respond to this and go back at these people that have imposed this illegal way of life on us. That's the discussion that needs to be happening, not what kind of pizza you're going to go out and buy. I, I have to disagree. Pizza is very important. Knowing the right pizza to get is very important. Oh, my God, Bruce. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to get that off my chest. I had to get that off my chest. It's like, seriously, we're talking like the, the country's about to go into lockdown and an and illegal lockdown at that. Governments are literally stripping you of your rights. And you're talking about pizza. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Couldn't believe what I was hearing. Anyway. Uh, that that was a side side rant of mine about about Pete. But um, anyway, back to what we were talking about with robotics. It's a good analogy, though. It's a good analogy. As long as you keep the people fed and happy and you keep them content with things, they don't really care what freedoms they lose. Boy, isn't that the truth? That was the other. Th I, I was talking to somebody else today over in the UK and they said, you know, I really don't care about all this lockdown stuff. And I said, you don't care about He said, no, no, I really don't care. He says, I, I do my work in my own home anyway. So he says, I really don't worry about all this stuff. And I, I started explaining how anxiety is off the chart. Substance abuse is off the chart. Domestic violence is off the chart. Uh, social disorders are, are through the roof. Divorce rates are through the roof. Th this doesn't concern anybody. People, I, it's your, you're correct, Bruce. I, I'm saying I'm agreeing with you here. People are too self-centered. They're worried about themselves. They're not worried about anybody else. Yes, we talk about independence here. We talk about take care of yourself. But that doesn't mean neglect your neighbor. Let your neighbor live as they will, but you should still care about your neighbor. You should still care about your family. But if people look at it as, as self-centered as that, well, then they just don't care. I, I, I don't know of any other way to, you know, to, to shake them out of that. And that's the, the response I got was, well, if, if more people would just do what they're told, well, then we could all get through this. And I'm like, are you serious? Are, are you serious? I, I use the and no. again, some, somebody from the UK. Right. And we've been friends for a long time. And I said, you know, I don't mean any offense by what I'm about to say, but uh, we didn't meet the British at Concord Bridge to serve tea and be tolerant. Being tolerant and accepting of this is is not what gets you out of it. But anyway, um, automation. But, well, you follow the had, you follow the rules, you follow the guidelines, all that stuff. When you come out of lockdown, you're only going to have spikes again. Because everybody was locked down, nobody was getting it, and then it's going to spread again. So then it's going to be the same thing over again. So it's no. To me, it's that disconnect. People that are not directly affected won't feel strongly about something. People that are affected will be up in arms. They'll be out there in your face. We, what are we doing? We got. We can't do this. But if you're not directly affected, oh la la la. You know, it, people just don't have that direct connection to be affected to take mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. Nope, you're right. You're right. Okay, rounding off here with robotics, and then we'll get into your point, Bruce, because that's uh, that's probably going to be a long conversation. Artificial intelligence and automation have been an area. White Castle is. Were we really talking about White Castle? <laughs> yes. Fifteen minutes ago, yeah. <laughs> Artificial intelligence and automation have been an area White Castle has wanted to experiment with to optimize our operations and provide a better work environment for our team members. You can't provide a better work environment for your team members, especially when you don't have them. Right. I'll just you can quote me on that. Uh, this pilot is putting us on that path. And we couldn't be more pleased to continue our work with Mizo Robotics and pave the way for greater adoption of cutting edge technology in the fast food industry. Well, a company is in business to do what? I hate to break this to the average person out there that doesn't understand how business works, but they're in the business to do what? Make money. They don't care about anything else other than their bottom line. So if they can replace people, get out of the uh, workers comp stuff and and cut out the, as much liability as humanly possible. Well, that's going to increase their bottom line, isn't it? That's what companies are going to focus on. But anyway, yeah, it goes on here to talk about how you know it's, it's a 24 hour restaurant chain. So you don't have to worry about you know workers getting tired and mistakes being made, injuries happening, blah, blah, blah. Uh, policymakers need to rethink how to improve safety net for workers. Well, that's easy if you replace all the workers. Uh, uh, virus pandemic, uh, which is not even a pandemic anymore, just like to throw that out there, is forcing companies to limit interaction between customers and employees. You know something? It's the businesses here that need to stand up as well. 
You, you don't go along with this. I'll throw that one out there, too. The people can do so much, but the businesses don't go along with this either. Businesses are caving to what the government is. The governments are telling them to do. Wear a mask, social distancing. That's killing your business. Shut down the indoor dining. Do takeout only. No, operate as normal and then watch what happens to your bottom line. It will go up. Those that don't want to come to your establishment won't go to your establishment. That's the beauty of free market. We're abandoning the free market in the name of safety and security. It's disgusting. You might as well just put people in padded rooms and bubbles. The problem is, though, in some of these locations, uh, let's say you open your business and you you go back to life as normal. Uh, Some of these mayors, uh, governors and so forth are going after the businesses um, licenses and revoking the license for not capitulating. Yeah, but that's that's my point is you let them and then you go after them. You, you can do a recall. I heard this point brought up this afternoon. You can do a recall. But if you have a governor or a mayor like the ones that are in, say, I don't know, California, New York, Michigan, right, just to name a few. We can go to Oregon and, and Washington, too, if you like. But these states in particular, they're breaking the law by these orders. These are not legal orders. These are not constitutional orders. This is illegal. You can't go after businesses like this. And that's what they're doing. And you say, well, they're going to come after you. They're going to come after you anyway. It, it doesn't matter. They're going to shut you down anyway. That's what this is designed to do. This is designed to shut your business off. So rather you you, you dance through 100 flaming hoops or five, it doesn't matter. They're going to come after your business either way. You told me there was a story in New York last week, uh, a Jewish business got slapped with something because they kept the door open. That's all they did. They they kept the door open. So like I said, they're going to come after your business any way you look at it. So why not? Why not take a stand? They're going to bankrupt you either way. So you got to stand up to it. These are bullies. That's all they are. All right, let's move over into uh, let's move over into deep fakes. Bruce, you want to talk about deep fakes a couple of weeks ago, and we just haven't had a chance to get to it yet. So for the average person out there that hasn't understood what this is yet. Lay the groundwork on what deep fakes are and how they're moving into a realm now where it's almost indistinguishable. We looked at a at a big array of uh, photos you and I did last week because we were going to go over some of that stuff, but we didn't get a chance to. And all the people we looked at, we must have looked at maybe 35, 40 people. And the interesting thing about it was, is none of them were real, were they? Yeah, so it's becoming really difficult to tell them apart now. Now, one of the one of the key things you look for in a deep fake is the background. A lot of times, deep fakes currently uh, the background has no shadowing; it's very blurred. You can't see anything in the background. Whereas, you know, a real photo, you take you take a picture, and whatever's in the background usually is somewhat visible, or at least you you can distinguish what it is, if not fully visible. One of the other things is uh, they were having difficulty with voices and and getting the voices fully accurate. Now, they were getting really close. Uh, they were to the point to where if you didn't know any better and you weren't comparing the two, you could mistake them for being the person. But now they're getting to the point to where uh, it's a video completely fake or, or photo that's completely faked. It's generated by an AI. And they could use, for example, let's say we make a video of Donald Trump and he was in a hotel room with some supermodel, you know, the, the P tape, if you will. Well, there could be there could be a video that pops up online that's a deep fake. Nobody's real in the video or it's not real video. It's artificially generating a video based on those people. And you can make a fake uh, voice or, or mimic their voice. So it would look like the person, it would sound like the person, but it's completely fake. It never happened. And that that's kind of where we're starting to get into the realm of um, people are playing with it just for like memes and, you know, little little videos for fun and whatnot. And they're becoming more and more realistic. And, and the more this is experimented with and played with and, and they expound upon this, we're going to get to the point to where you're going to have some scandalous video pop up and it's all going to be a deep fake. AI won't be able to distinguish between real and fake. Currently, they use AI to distinguish accurately what is deep fakes. Now there's some artificial intelligence that is uh, unable to distinguish this new stuff. 
the new deepfakes. It's becoming really realistic. So, Tavish, have you seen some of these deepfakes? What, what do you think about these? You know, the people that don't exist, the uh, the videos that are out there. I mean, I, I saw one of Donald Trump giving a speech. I mean, if you look at it closely, you can tell that it's not him. I mean, you, you can still kind of work out that these are not you know real speeches and, and things like that. But eventually it's going to get to a point where you can't tell. There was one that was released of and maybe we can play it here if I can go back and find it real quick or maybe you can grab it real, real quick, uh, Bruce. The uh, the one from Kim Jong Un from North Korea. That was a deep fake. That that wasn't real. But I watched it and I thought that's almost indistinguishable. But Tavish, what, what do you think of deep fakes? Have you seen these? Yeah, I've, I've seen one with Trump. I've seen one with uh, Obama. And if you just kind of glance at it or just listen to white noise, you don't really know that it's not real. So we, now we have AIs faking out AIs, faking out people. Where is this going to go and where is it going to end? Uh, that's a good question, because it, it's always been... It's always been a thing of uh, of the world elites to, to try and project fake leaders up there and, and fake icons, fake stars, if you will. And and I think that maybe that's the direction that they want it to go is they want to introduce us to the idea that these things are out there. See, one of the biggest problems is, is you have influential characters that have lifespans on them. Case in point, Sean Connery just uh, passed away just yesterday at the age of 90. Did, did you God hear that? Bless. So yeah, he, he passed away. It, but I'm not just speaking him, but you have influential characters. You have celebrities, entertainers, stars, things like that, political figures, and whatnot. Imagine if these people were, well, or somebody that's, if it's not even a real person, imagine if they were immortal in a sense, where you could keep them around to brainwash generations of people instead of just having a short lifespan. That, that's my take on it. All right. So I, I want to go to a deep fake here. And th this is out there. This is on YouTube. So anybody can go and get this. Now, I heard that they were trying to take this down or they were in the process of taking this down, but it, apparently it's still up there. And you and I looked at this a couple of weeks ago, but this is a deep fake of Kim Jong-un, the North Korean dictator. Now, I want you to hear this. Now, you, Bruce, you said you, you found some audio of him speaking English at one point, and you said it was almost indistinguishable, right? It's really similar to the video, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's indistinguishable just because... Uh, really, if I was going to break it down, I would take clips of, of him saying the same words um, and try to compare the two. I didn't go into that kind of depth. I just listened to it and it was like, yeah, they're, they're similar. Yeah. But OK, the key the key thing here is and I notice it now that I'm paying really close attention to it is the background. You can tell that it was some kind of at least from my standpoint, you can tell that they cut it out. It's it's green screened or, or whatever it is. Uh, they, they keyed it out or, or something. But you can tell that that background is not natural. Now, him giving the speech sitting at the desk that if you're if you're just in passing, if you're just not really paying too much attention or you just glance up at a TV screen or whatever, you wouldn't know the difference. I don't think this is a really good deep fake that this is a really good one. But let's take a listen to this. Democracy is a fragile thing, more fragile than you want to believe. If the election fails, there is no democracy. I don't have to do anything. You're doing it to yourselves. People are divided. Your voting districts are manipulated. Voting locations are closing so millions can't vote. Is it not hard for democracy to collapse? All you have to do is nothing. Now, as I'm watching that, I mean, like I said, that's a very well done one. That's that's pretty good. They they also released one that was uh, done with Vladimir Putin. Little bits, a little bit off on that one. You can tell that that one was kind of halfway put together. But this one, this one with Kim Jong Un was really well done. And they even got it to the point where when he was breathing in, you could see like his body and the clothing and the shadows. They even got the shadows right on it. But d because we do little dabble in video work and stuff, you notice things like that. You pick up on things like that. But I don't think so. As far as the deep fake is concerned, I think the only part that's really a deep fake is his facial expressions. Everything else, I think I legit think they took a video of him um, and just changed like the head area and his mannerisms, his movements of hand, upper torso and everything like all those movements are literally him. This is actually him. But the, the face and what he's saying, you know, they, they switched that a bit. I, I think that's what they did here. It's possible that they 
even just took a photograph of it. Uh, I don't know the whole process they went through to make this, but you could do the same thing with the photograph and um, potentially animate a, a photo. The, the thing about it, though, this one, there's, there's a few things that really stand out to me uh, as far as when you look at this. It's the quality. And, and what I mean by that is... So typically when you do video and stuff, like for example, you're watching something on television. Typically the frame rate on television is anywhere from 24 frames to 30 frames per second. This is like 60 to 80 frames. When you when you watch the, the movements of his mouth, his kind of how his head moves a little bit, those are really higher renders than what the video is actually, what we're used to akin to in video. So it... it if you're watching a video that already has a higher frame rate, you won't, you probably won't notice the the little difference like that. But if you've ever watched the, I'll, I'll put it in comparison. If you've ever watched the old cartoons, you know, the like Tom and Jerry or Bugs Bunny, you know, the old ones that were filmed in a lower frame rate than what we're used to. Now take a television that has a frame rate of 60. It will upscale that lower frame rate to 60 frames. It looks eerie. It looks weird. When you're used to watching the old cartoons and the lower frame rates, it, it just there, there's a feeling about it. You can just feel it's off. Same thing with this. There, there's a feeling about it that's just off. And, you know, us working with video a little bit, you can tell the difference between um, like 30 frames and 60 frames, for example. You know, you, you can feel the difference. Um, it, it's same thing with this. Of course, if you're into video games or in video work in general, you'll notice the difference. Um, and... Don't listen to the people that say your eye can only register 30 frames or 60 frames or whatever. If you've gone from 60 frames to 120 frames, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And well, so now I'm curious, since you bring that up, I, because I hear people make that argument all the time. What do we actually see? Like what are our eyes? What frame rate do our eyes actually have? That's a legit question. I don't know. Because I hear people making this argument all the time. Well, your eye can't distinguish between this and that. Okay, so what what frame rate do does the human eye actually see at? That is a good question because our eyes don't actually see in a frame rate. You know, like uh, we don't see actual stills. We we see an actual like our brain is processing the information as it comes in. So it's a it's a real time. So I, I honestly don't know what the the frame rate. They they say okay, what scientists say your frame rate is what you see is not accurate because it, it, I, I'm wanting to say it's somewhere in the vicinity of 60 frames or something like that. But that can't be possible because if I'm looking at a 144 hertz monitor and the frame the rate is synced up with that, you can tell the difference. You can see it. So that means you have to be able to see at least at that frame rate. And I can tell not, not only from that aspect, I can tell that something's off when I look at something visually, when I look at a different frame rate or if a frame rate changes I can tell it's off because I will start to develop eye strain, headaches, you know, that, that type of thing. I, I'll feel physically nauseous, if that makes any sense. If a frame rate drops in something, if you're if you're viewing something in 60 frames per second and it drops to 30 or 20 or uh, something like that, you can tell that. Or uh, if something gets sluggish or if it if you're jumping it up to 144 hertz versus 60 hertz, you can tell that difference. It, it's there. And, and I know that it's there sometimes that I mean, it, there, there's cases where I've gone from, you know, I've been doing video work and it will be a smooth uh, 60 FPS. And then all of a sudden it'll drop to uh, 35 and I'll, I'll know that something's wrong, but I won't know something's wrong until I start to think something's wrong. I, you know, my, my head doesn't feel right. It's because my my brain is processing those images differently. Is that is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, for me personally. Uh, it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm if I'm doing video work, I'll notice a frame rate dip. But if I'm playing like a video game or something, if I'm engrossed in it, I may not really notice like 10 or 20 frames. Well, no, I'll notice 10 to 20 frames. If, it, if it's a 10 frame drop, you may not really notice it. But if it's, you know, it, it, 20 frames or, or even 30 frames, geez. Uh, I've got, I don't have one of the nice fancy 144 Hertz monitors. I have a 75 Hertz monitor and just that small switch from 60 to 75 frames is massive. You can really feel the difference and going from 60 to 144, I was drooling and like, it is just so buttery smooth playing. Oh, 
but so I, I, I don't know where they when you when you play a game. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's because yeah, but es- experts are still saying that uh, you you can see they're they're saying it, it basically tops out at maybe ninety hertz. Uh, the what the human eye can process is what they're saying. Okay, Again, so what's the purpose of one hundred and forty four then? Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to say is that. I don't believe that's accurate. I don't think 90 hertz is what the limit that we can see. Um, basically, it, it can think of it like a flicker rate, how, how quickly a light is flickering. Um, think of it in that sense. Now, granted, some people can actually pick up like LED light flicker. I'm one of those people. If you don't have a good circuit on an LED, if, it, if it's not using the proper circuit on there, I can actually see the flicker on the LEDs. And it, it, it's actually, it, it's really jarring. Um, but if you have a good circuit on there, you, you don't notice it. Uh, so I'm not really sure what the flicker rate is, is on the LED. But anyway, think of it as a flicker rate. Think of it as a light flashing. Uh, that that think of it as frame rate. If you're if you're not familiar with that, let's talk about let, let's round off here on this one. Let's talk about your favorite governor, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, by the way, an LED flickers at 120 hertz. 120. That's okay. That's equivalent to 120 frames okay. per second. All right. All right. Fair enough. I don't notice the LED flicker. Now, I, I, honestly, I, I've never really noticed a, a flicker in, in lights unless it's like a fluorescent tube that's about to go out. Then I'll notice it. But uh, I, I really don't notice it. But anyway, Andrew Cuomo has come up with a new set of rules for COVID-19 testing. Wonderful. Wonderful guy. Yeah. That's fantastic with COVID. Stand-up. Did yeah. you read his book? Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you read his book? I haven't I haven't read his book yet. No. Okay. About how it was all Trump's fault. Yeah. And yeah. how wonderful he did. And they, they did everything so perfect yes. in New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they did everything right. Right. They, they got hit harder than anywhere else in the world and they did it right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so New York, we had talked about what Mayor Bill de Blasio was doing in New York with fines, have to sign up for, or you have to fill out medical forms. And if you don't fill out the forms, that's $2,000 on the spot. Quarantine for 14 days. If you break the quarantine, you get fined $10,000. Checkpoints set up at the George Washington Bridge and uh, other key places throughout the city to get into the city. Well, they've expanded that statewide now since no one in New York in, in the city pushed back on it. Well, guess what? Now they're going to go all over the state with it. Uh, so people who want to visit the state of New York now will have to quarantine for three days. So now it's only three days. What happened to 14? Maybe you just need 14 to flatten that other curve, right? It's CDC says it's actually 10. Oh, OK. Well, in New York, they're only well, see, New York's doing it right, though. Uh, you'll have to quarantine for three days. Then you have to prove you're negative for COVID-19 before you're, quote, free to go about your business. The new strict mandate, which exempts New Jersey, of course, yeah, of course, Let, let's not let's not penalize New Jersey, who got hit harder than New York. Right after, of course, the you know the numbers got revised. Uh, Connecticut and Pennsylvania residents. This eliminates the governor's quarantine advisory list, which restricted travel from over forty coronavirus hotspots across the country. Everything's meant to be a hotspot. Now travelers must show proof of a negative test taken within three days of arriving in the Empire State, and must also quarantine for three days and get a new COVID nineteen test on the fourth. If that's positive, they must isolate for two weeks. The governor said, now, see, isn't this easier? You, you only do three days. And then if you test negative, well, then you can go about your business. If you don't, if you test positive, then you have to isolate. So, OK, so you're up to uh, uh, you're up to 17 days total. Right. If, if you're positive. So, I mean, you got that going for you. Four days plus three days is seven. Day- I, I love how he's doing the math for us. Four days plus three days is seven days. And that's basically, by all probability, the incubation period. Well, now, wait a minute. I thought it was up to 21 days. They, they said it was first. They said it was 24, 24 hours. Then they said it was 14 days. Then they said it was seven. Now it was up to 21. So which one is it? Which one is it? Not, not even these idiots know what they're saying at this point. None of them do. Just like in the beginning. Masks don't work, right? There will be no metrics. There will be one rule that applies across the country. So let's not go with what works in an individual basis. No, let's not do that. Let's use a one size fits all because that's been such a success at this point, hasn't it? Anyone who refuses to be tested must quarantine for 14 days. New Yorkers who return home within a day of leaving must take a test within four days of their arrival. But if they're gone longer than 24 hours, then the new rules apply. Meanwhile, Saturday, Cuomo said that the state's targeted shutdowns or microcluster approach in virus hotspots in Brooklyn and Queens is working. Oh, you're going after the Orthodox Jewish communities. That's really Mm -hmm. what this is. 
That's yeah. that's what's not being said. It's based not on at all. based on no. See, Bruce, he he cleared all this up in his next line here. He says we did that based on anecdotal evidence from hospitals and healthcare facilities. So see, oh. see, they they took all the data from from that they were gathering from the hospitals. By the way, I've seen a lot of these videos and a lot of these photos that are put out by people that go to the testing sites in Brooklyn and in Queens. And guess what? It's not the Jewish community that are going through the testing lines. You can tell, uh, you know, yarmulkes. Yeah. Hats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not they're not going through the testing lines. But yet they're the ones that are they're the communities that are being targeted. You you see how this is working? Well, um, but not to get all political and whatnot, but there's a large portion of the Jewish community that's for Trump. So, yes, yes. And that's that's kind of starting to make a little bit more sense now. So um, Cuomo went on to quote here. He says, I believe we got their attention in the red zones and the increase in enforcement got their attention. Oh, yes. You slapped their business for keeping the door open. Yeah, sure. That that got their attention. All right. I have a question real quick. How is it they can use anecdotal data, but we can't? We can't look at anecdotal data and say, hey, look, the virus isn't nearly as bad as what you guys are saying. And the hospitals are not being overrun. Yeah. But you can use anecdotal data and say, look, it's terrible. We have to shut down because anecdotal data is easily you you can easily lie about it. You can easily have an administrator in a hospital say, oh, we're, we're having problems here. Why don't you give us more money or. I mean, the hospitals are already hurting anyway because they're not their their money making isn't uh, you know operations and whatnot. The the um, what, what do they call it? Um, elected surgeries or whatever they call it. Whatever whatever the um, elective surgeries. Yeah, uh, yeah elective well, surgeries. All yeah. this. Let, let's let's look at what this is all leading to. Okay, all this all this is is training you to accept a digital ID. That's what this comes down to. It's all about training you to accept. What's happening in the UK? What's happening in, in New Zealand? What's happening in Australia? Common pass, right? These are the beta worse. tests. You could you could have lockdowns like New Zealand. You, you, if you have a positive test, you get taken to a quarantine facility. Oh, yes. And, and oh, you can't leave. You can't leave. No. Yeah. Until you've had a um, negative test. And if you refuse... Uh, then you're going to stay there until you get a negative test. Uh huh. All right. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time today, Bruce. I, I know we drifted a little bit today, but uh, I, this this stuff is just I, I'm sorry. Uh, these people, as I said last week, we're going to settle this anyway. So for those of you who would like to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to get your, some of your comments, your feedback, uh, your inputs, things of that nature. If you'd like to drop us a line, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and known associates. We're trying to grow our audience and we need your help as a loyal listener in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. You can get us anywhere you get your podcast with the exception of SoundCloud. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you could jump over to Apple Podcasts and give us a rating at your earliest possible convenience, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Bruce and Tavish, thank you guys for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.